Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Monday, December 30th, 2019. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And as I was watching last night's Hawks game, I was very much prepared to have a sad Monday postgame podcast. But the Hawks come through, rally for a pair of goals in the third period, and then win the game in the shootout. But the game was not without its controversy. We're going to get to that. We're also going to spend a little bit of time on Friday's big win over the Islanders. But first, I want to tell you how to get in touch. Remember, tomorrow's show is Talk Back Tuesday. So get those voicemails, get those emails in. Voicemail number 708-653-0572. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can follow my personal Twitter account at jayzawaski670. And, of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, my other Hawks podcast. New episode will be out late tonight. James Naveau and I are going to name our all-decade Blackhawks team, so you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, so make sure you subscribe not only to Lockdown Blackhawks, but to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if I mentioned the Lockdown Twitter account. That is at LO underscore Blackhawks. So, again, tomorrow's podcast, Talk Back Tuesday. Need those questions. Need that feedback. I know it's a holiday week. I know you guys have been distracted and maybe not watching the games as closely as you had been leading up to this time, but a lot to discuss. I've gotten some questions rolling in via email, but definitely get those voicemails in 708-653-0572. If you'd rather record a voice memo, you can do that on your phone and just email that voice memo to LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com and I will get it and I will play it and will sound terrific. Those actually sound better than the phone calls, so actually prefer that so feel free voice memo it up and it will sound terrific all right with that for 50 minutes the Hawks did not look very good on Monday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets if you missed the game the Hawks get down to nothing in the first period and throughout the first two periods of the game the Hawks only mustered uh, 12 shots on goal and that was pretty representative of how things were going. And it wasn't as if the Hawks were playing very poorly. They just couldn't get much of anything going at all. It seemed like passes were just off a little bit. They couldn't get the puck to settle down. I don't know how good the ice was in Columbus last night, but that's an excuse because the Jackets have to play on it as well. But the Hawks just had some trouble kind of getting themselves going, getting into the game, when they had the puck, a lot of shots were blocked, didn't get through. Um, you had some weird turnovers, some weird mishandles. Just kind of a game where I didn't question the effort so much as I did the execution. And for a long time there, it just felt like, you know, it's just not, it's one of those nights, this game's going to end 2 nothing or 3 to 1 or something, and the Hawks aren't going to find it. Then all of a sudden, seven and a half minutes into the third, Dylan Strom scores deflecting a Connor Murphy point shot, and the Hawks kind of start to take over the game. They finish the third period uh, out shooting um, the Blue Jackets 11-8, and then in overtime, the Hawks get a power play. They don't score, but they outshoot Columbus 7-3 in overtime. I mentioned some controversy. It looked like the Columbus Blue Jackets had won the game on a last-second shot on goal. Duncan Keith who had a tremendous game the rest of the game, got blown by by uh, Seth Jones. He just, I mean, he just blew past Duncan Keith. 
got a shot on goal. Robin Leonard deflected it, but then the rebound popped out, went behind Robin Leonard, who was down on the ground prone after the poke check, and they go review it, and it shows that the puck did not cross the line before time has expired, therefore no goal, and the game goes to shootout. John Tortorella, after the game, furious with the referees about the clock management. Give this a listen. The whistle blows. The whistle is blown at 19.2 on the clock. For some reason, the clock has run down a second and a tenth to 18.1. For whatever reason, I have no idea. So instead of resetting the clock, we have them tell our captain we're not going to do it. Toronto doesn't step in. Refs don't do their freaking job. And now we lose the game and we lose our goalie. So the chain of events, if it was done right, we don't lose our goalie, we win the hockey game. So all this God technology, right? The technology and getting things right, the stubbornness tonight by the officials and by the league and Toronto, however it's supposed to work, screws us. It's ridiculous. That audio courtesy of Fox Sports Ohio. And I, I don't know if John Tortorella is right in what he's claiming. I have not gone back. It's, you know, it's hard to determine that on the game, especially considering how NBC Sportsnet's clock has been working all season. But if he's right and that happened, he's correct. He's absolutely correct. Now, of course, the butterfly effect says that, you know, just because something if they went in and reset the clock, right? Everything changes. I, I, I'm a full believer in the butterfly effect where one little thing affects the course of history completely. Like, really, I think it does. So if, you know, they do reset the clock, maybe Tortorella puts in a different line or the pucks drop div- differently. The whole game goes a completely different way. But his point is valid. And if you missed it, he was talking about his goalie getting hurt. Corpusalo, who played really well for Columbus, Jonathan Taze puts a five-hole shootout goal between his legs. A beautiful goal, by the way, by Jonathan Taves. Corpusalo's right knee, the pad comes off. Like it, it doesn't come off, but it like slides it aside. And you could tell he got up and was in some discomfort. And then as he got to the bench, he took himself off the ice right away. As Corpusalo gets to the bench. It looks like it's getting worse and worse, and the trainers are having a hard time carrying him back to the locker room. It was an ugly scene. So what John Tortorella is saying is understandable. He's rightfully pissed. If if what happened, if what he says happened, happened, he has a valid point. But it is what it is. They're not going to replay the game, and the Blackhawks get two points. They've taken four in a row. And before we go to the pluses and minuses, I want to spend a little bit of time on Friday's game, the 5-2 win over the Islanders, I said after that loss to the Devils last Monday, the 7-1 loss at home, that the Hawks typically have solid bounce backs when they suffer an embarrassing loss. And that was the case on Friday, but it all would have been for naught had they lost this game, right? Great that they won this game, that they were able to rally and pull victory out of this game is a good sign. It's an encouraging sign. I don't know what it means for the overall well-being of the team, and I'm not going to jump to conclusions after every single Hawks game one way or the other because it's not logical. It's a roller coaster season. 
you've got to kind of look at things big picture. But since the losses of Saad and Dahan and Seabrook, things have looked okay. They've been more competitive than I expected, and I hope it continues. For the record, I do not want them adding players at the trade deadline. Ride this team out, see what happens, and if they somehow battle for a playoff spot, so be it. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, tomorrow's show, Talk Back Tuesday. Don't forget to send those questions, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Type an email, send a voice memo, or send a voicemail, 708-653-0572. You can send a tweet to at LO underscore Blackhawks. Also, later tonight or Tuesday morning, make sure you check out the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast where James Naveau and I reveal our all-decade Blackhawks team, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. It's not just going to be the 12 best forwards and the 6 best defensemen. We're going to do it by line, so the best fourth-line center, the best third-line right winger. We're going to try to build a realistic team here, and uh, might be some names on there you're not expecting to hear, so don't miss tonight's Madhouse podcast. It's going to record around 8.30 p.m. Central, so it should be out around 10, 10.30, or you know, listen to it right after you listen to Lockdown Blackhawks on your morning commute. All right, as we do after every game day, let's go over the pluses and minuses, starting with the pluses. First plus of the game, no-brainer, goes to Robin Leonard, who stopped 31 of 33 shots on goal and won a shootout game. You could see the relief in his eyes when he made the first save, and then at the end... When Gerby hit the post and the Hawks won in the shootout, you could see the elation on Robin Leonard's face. You could see how happy his teammates were for him. Robin Leonard, once again, absolutely outstanding in this game. And did the Elvis Mers Lincolns situation prove the whole thing that they shouldn't put Corey Crawford in? <laughs> Ice cold for a shootout. I mean, look, guy comes in, Elvis Mers Lincolns, which is very hard to say. Um, and he has to face Patrick Kane, ice cold off the bench. Welcome to the game, kid. Enjoy. Enjoy this. And sure enough, Patrick Kane scored, and the Hawks win. Uh, Got to mention Patrick Kane, not on the score sheet. He was actually a minus one, three shots on goal. Six more shot of, shots of his were blocked. Uh, another strong game where a lot of the offense that was created was generated by Patrick Kane. Uh, they are just a different team when he's on the ice. And uh, he was tremendous, as he always is. And it was, oh, I mean, look, he could have had two or three goals that some shots got blocked, some shots didn't get through. But a really solid game for Patrick Kane. Another plus that's not showing up on the score sheet, Jonathan Taves, three shots on goal, four more missing that, one missing that badly. That wasn't great. But he won 57% of his faceoffs, 24.05 of ice time. Jonathan Taves was battling his ass off. And that big face-off win late in the game huge huge play for Jonathan Taves huge uh moment of that game so terrific good to see that from him uh after that too many men on the ice penalty and the Hawks are able to uh clear the puck beautifully great game for Jonathan Taves and he's been really playing well lately final plus of the game goes to Dylan Strom who is a factor all night long, making things happen, working hard for the puck. He scored 
the game, uh, not the game tying goal, but the uh, first goal of the game for the Blackhawks. Really strong performance from Dylan Strom. And uh, liking that line with the Brinkett, Strom, and Doc, that's working. That line is working well together. Kirby Doc bears some uh, some notoriety as well. 20-32 of ice time. Three shots on goal. Two more shot attempts. Uh, so pretty solid. Want to see him getting the faceoff dot a little more. Only took two faceoffs last night. Lost them both. Um, but, you know, it's time. It's time to get him in there and get him in some game situations. I want to see Kirby Doc uh, get, get more challenges on the faceoff. If, if the game's going on and he's getting slaughtered, so be it. But I want to see Kirby Doc get some more chances in-game to compete for face-offs. Now let's get to the minuses. My first minus of the game, and this might sound a little strange, I'm going to give it to Pat Foley. It seems as if Pat Foley has latched on to the Alex Nylander sucks thing. And look, I'm not going to pretend like Alex Nylander played a very good game last night. I'm not going to pretend like he's been what we hoped he would be this season but any time Alex Nylander makes a mistake Pat Foley's right there to tell you about it and to tell you about it with sarcasm in his voice with a clear eye roll with clear frustration look Alex Nylander is a young player still learning on the job and yeah when he dumps those pucks in short of center that's super annoying and he should stop doing that that's obvious right Everybody knows that, but more often than not, I'm seeing him work hard to back check, work hard to win the puck back, the pucks back that he loses. I think for the most part, his efforts been there. I've said it time and time again. I think Alex Nealander's biggest enemy is himself. You could see him thinking on the ice and that's never a good thing. He's got to play with more instinct. He's got to react a little more. He's going to get a minus in this game because he did make a number of those mistakes I didn't love and that none of us love. But Alex Nylander should not be a punching bag for Pat Foley. There's a lot of other guys on this team who have not been great either. And maybe he didn't like the trade. Not many of us did. But I think he's been a little bit unfair when it comes to Alex Nylander. Second minus of the game for me is going to go to Adam Boquist. Uh, kind of a tough game. Uh, a couple bad turnovers, some bad mishandles, uh, lack of willingness to put the puck on net. And again, these are the things you want him learning at the NHL level. But this was his first game back after suffering the shoulder injury. And uh, it, it showed. He looked a little bit rusty. Still played 20 minutes of ice time. Uh, that included 441 on the power play. Love to see him getting special teams time. That's great. His skill set is made for the power play. His puck movement is good, and I liked him when they had him on the top of the diamond as sort of the lone point man, moving side to side on a point. I liked the way he looked there better than when it was the dual point man setup, so maybe that will continue a little bit because the first Hawk, few Hawks power plays, I think they had one shot on goal for their thir first three power plays, and then they finally uh, made it work, made it convert. They scored. The Eric Gustafson goal came on the power play. The game-tying goal was on the power play. And then in overtime, they had a bunch of shot on goal, shots on goal on the power play. So things got better as the game went on. And that's good. That's what you want to see. You want to see improvement. Um, but uh, Adam Boquist, despite being on the power play and moving the puck well at times, had a tough, tough game. 
struggled a little bit. I'm going to give another minus to Jeremy Cowden. Has everyone, anyone else liked what they've seen from John Quinville when he's been in the lineup? He's not fancy. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to light up the score sheet, but he made some heady offensive plays. One point in the game, he sent a saucer pass to Patrick Kane that almost led to an odd man rush. I think he's made some decent plays, and he ended up um, not playing much late in the game. Foley and Olchek said he had not played a shift in the third period. That actually wasn't true. He did play a shift earlier that they had not noticed, but only 8.29 of ice time. I'd like to see John Quenville get a little more time. I think he's been okay. I'd like to see what that kid has, and look, that's what the season's about. I know they won the game. I know they got back in it, and they did that by playing their star players. I understand it. I get it. I get if you're down two, late in the third, John Quenville's probably not a guy you want on the ice trying to tie things up. I totally understand. But big picture, I want to see him get some more ice time and find out what they have in John Quenville. So I'm going to give another minus to Jeremy Cowan, who otherwise lately has been doing okay. The fact that this team is not completely collapsed after that loss to New Jersey and Brent Seabrook going down, and all that. By the way, we got to talk about the Brent Seabrook thing some more. Uh, I'm sure it will come up a lot during Talkback Tuesday. But lots of Blackhawks and lots of Blackhawks commentators. Speaking of Brent Seabrook in the past tense, not a good sign. Even though people are saying, yeah, he'll be back, he'll be back. If you listen to the way players are talking, it doesn't sound like Brent Seabrook's going to be back anytime soon or maybe ever. It's time we go down the number line here on Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's take a look inside the numbers here. Blackhawks versus Blue Jackets. The Hawks get a 3-2 shootout win over Columbus in a uh, heroic and courageous. Is that overstating enough? I think so. I think it's overstating it enough. <laughs> Comeback win, coming back from two down 2 nothing to win 3-2 in the shootout. So the first period, as you would predict, heavily in favor of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They held a 56.52 Corsi for advantage, 13 shot attempts for 10 against. When you look at the Fenwick percentage, that excludes block shots, 12-4 to advantage, a 75% advantage in the first period. Second period, dead even in Corsi, 18-18. That's 50%, obviously. And then the Hawks in the third period had a 64% Corsi for advantage, 16 shot attempts for, and nine against. So as the game went on and as the third period went on, the Hawks started to take over the game a little bit, and that's encouraging. This is sort of what we worried about as the team started to suffer that that New Jersey loss was tough. That was one that could have looked like a season ender, right? The, The nail in the coffin where things all fall apart. That on top of losing Seabrook, which is as much as you might not think it affects the team on the ice because Brent Seabrook was a aged, banged up guy who was contributing number six, number seven quality defense to the team. That guy's the heart and soul of the Blackhawks, and we will get into it on Talkback Tuesday. Um, so I was very anxious to see how they would respond without their leader. And so far, so good. They're 2-0 and since Brent Seabrook was officially shut down. So hopefully uh, this can continue. I don't know if they're rattling around this whole thing with Brent Seabrook, but the effort's been there, and that's what it's going to take. Jeremy Counton said it after the loss to the Devils. 
The Hawks are going to have to outwork their opponents. That's how they're going to have to win games because they don't have the skill to outscore people or outskate people. If they're going to win, it's going to have to be an effort win, and I think the Hawks won this game Monday night very much so on the back of their effort. Uh, I think it was a very, very solid overall performance for the Hawks as the game went on. Uh, Look, not a lot happening in the first two periods for myriad reasons, one of which is the Hawks just simply aren't as skilled as Columbus. And uh, that's something to say when you look at all the guys that Columbus has lost. But that's the truth. That's how it looked. But they stayed with it, got rewarded for getting in front of the net, and that's a solid thing. Let's look at some of the individual performances here for the Blackhawks. Alex Dabrinkit led all Blackhawks with a 68.97 Corsi 4 percentage. That's 20 shot attempts for and 9 against with him on the ice. That led the team. His line mate Dylan Strom, 66.67 with a 16.8 shot four shots against Ryan Carpenter 11 and 6 for a 64.71 Kirby Doc 18 and 10 for a 64.29 Keith Murphy Kane Smith Kampf Gustafson all finished 50% or higher for the Blackhawks the bottom feeders on the team Dominic Kubelik who did not have a good game should have mentioned him in the minuses not great uh 21.05 Corsi four percentage really bad Four shot attempts for 15 against Alex Nylander was two and six for 25%. John Quenville, whose game I actually sort of liked, 35.29, six shot attempts for 11 against. So not the strongest performance from those young forwards. But look, the important thing is the Blackhawks picked up the win and uh, every point matters here. And when we talked about those missed opportunities earlier in the season, now you're getting some of these games maybe you don't expect to win like the game against the devils and maybe this game against columbus as it stands right now the blackhawks are 17 17 and 6 not 500 pad foley not 500 that would be 23 17 and 6 would be 500 thank you a minus 16 goal differential they have 40 points they are five points behind the calgary flames for the final playoff spot there's also three teams between calgary and chicago including Nashville, Minnesota, and Edmonton. But guess who the Blackhawks play on Tuesday night? That's right, the Calgary Flames. So the Hawks have one of those important four-point games. They can win that one. They close that gap with Calgary, and uh, suddenly you can start sniffing that wild card spot again. We'll see what it means. We'll see what the Hawks can do. But until next time, thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. Remember, tomorrow's show Talk back Tuesday. Get those voicemails. Get those emails in. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Voicemail number is 708-653-0572. But the best thing you can do, record that voice memo on your phone and email it to lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. It gives it the best quality. It sounds great. Very easy for me to edit and record. Uh, so, yeah, send those out, and we will have another great Talk Back Tuesday show on New Year's Eve. Looking forward to that. And one final reminder, make sure you check out late tonight's Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast where James Neveau and I assign our team of the decade for the Chicago Blackhawks. think you'll really enjoy it. With that, going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. We will talk to you on Talk Back Tuesday.